How's it going, everybody? How's it going? Coming off a good weekend for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Formerly ranked number 15 in the country, took on the South Florida Bulls at home in Nippert Stadium, defeating the Bulls 28-7, moving to 3-0 and up to 11 in the AP poll. Wasn't exactly the greatest game in the world, but we'll recap it here in a little bit. I'm Sean McMahon, always joined by Alex Frank. Alex, uh, I was not able to watch the game, nor was I at the game. Um, but from what I heard on radio and from the stats that we're looking at here, wasn't very pretty. It was not very pretty at all, Sean. Nine combined turnovers in this game. Nine. I mean, that that's something you don't see very often. And we think about... I mean, there were four turnovers in the first, I think, like, in, in the first five minutes of the game. Each team turning the ball over twice. And it was, it was basically, you know, USF turns it over, we turn it over. USF turns it over, we turn it over. Like, what's going on here? Now, ultimately, the Bearcats were able to put some points on the board, 28-7. to Seven of which, though, it is worth noting, seven of which came on special teams. The kickoff return by Trey Tucker, 97 yards. Was it 97 or was it 98? Uh, I believe it might have been 97. It's the first kickoff return for Cincinnati Bearcats football since the Liberty Bowl when the Cincinnati Bearcats took on James Franklin and his Vanderbilt Commodores. And guess who ran it back? Ralph David Abernathy the fourth. Can't and forget the fourth. Cannot forget. That guy was small, but he was lethal nonetheless. Quite a throwback there. That's a long, that feels like a lifetime ago. That was That was nine years ago. It was New Year's Eve of 2011 in Memphis, your favorite city. Um, so, you didn't catch on to my sarcasm there. Or did you? Yes. Okay, you just didn't want to say anything. All right, that's fine. Uh, anyway, um, look, sometimes you're going to have these kinds of games, but at the end of the day, the Bearcats' defense was still the Bearcats' defense as we've come to know them the previous two years and the first two games of this year. Offensively, uh they were able to run the football better. Jared Dokes had 22 carries for 102 yards and a touchdown. So it was good to see him, you know, finally be that bell cow running back, you know, get 22 carries. That's a really good stat line because, you know, for it's one thing to have multiple running backs to be able to throw out there. But at the end of the day, I think it's still important to have that bell cow for running back like Michael Warren because... If you throw four running backs out there and none of them are doing anything, that's a problem. But if you have that one running back that you can go to to get yardage and milk the clock in late-game situations, that's who Jared Dokes is. Now, we're going to hit on this a lot today. Desmond Ritter was not very good on Saturday, to say the least. Uh, no, definitely not. I mean, you just take a look at the interceptions here. Uh, he threw for three interceptions, uh, 16 for 26, not bad, for 143 yards. Um, average 5.5 yards a throw, and he threw for two touchdowns. But again, those three interceptions really killed him. I mean, you know, I've been saying this since last year. Desmond Ritter is 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 not an accurate quarterback, and I th I think he needs a lot of help. Um, he needs a lot of practice working on his accuracy because it, you look at how it's costing Cincinnati. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? It's it, it's really it really doesn't make any sense how he's throwing all these interceptions and he's throwing all these terrible incomplete passes. And, you know, I remember listening on to the broadcast on Saturday and Zach had mentioned that, um, Zach Freeze had mentioned that uh, Ben Bryant was out for some reason that we were not aware of or we were not told. 
And so that would leave, if Desmond Ritter were to get hurt, at least at the moment, that would leave Michael Lindauer to then take the reins of the offense, who, I mean, his two plays from scrimmage were fumble recovered and then fumble given away against Austin. So in other words, he's fumbled on both of his carries this season. His two plays that he's had in his college career were both fumbles. He just happened to recover the first one and then coughed away the second one. So let me ask you this. Do you go to Evan Prater? Oh, I, I would. You feel you as a fan would feel comfortable if Luke Fickle and the coaching staff decide to give the reins to Evan Prater in the event that Ben Bryant doesn't get healthy or whatever the uh, the situation is or is not able to play and Desmond Ritter either str- continues to struggle or gets hurt. You'd feel comfortable if they gave the ball to Evan Prater more than Michael Lindauer. Well, I uh, that goes without that's without question. But just in general, you would feel. Yeah, I'd feel pretty good about it. I mean, he's a he's a four-star recruit for a reason now. I mean, I'm a big believer that stars don't mean everything because they don't. I mean, you, you, a good example of that was the uh, Oklahoma-Kansas State game. You know, it didn't matter that Oklahoma had whatever that number, what ridiculous number was, 50, was it 50 plus? 51. 51, five and four stars combined on the team. Yet they still lost to Kansas State, who had not one four-star and not one five-star. So stars, to me, don't mean anything. It, it really is which team comes in with the mindset that they're going to win, the confidence that they're going to win, the poise, the all that stuff. You know what I mean? The cockiness, the confidence. Just the, just the confidence, but also respect for your opponent, not overlooking everybody that you're playing. Look at Oklahoma the last two weeks now, Sean. They've yep. lost to Kansas State and Iowa State. Now, too, and if Oklahoma, I think, has no shot of going to the college football playoff now because of that. No, I think they're definitely out. They're un- yeah, they're unranked right now. If they're unranked right now and we're in the second weekend of October, I don't think there's a way they can get in. Now, back to the case of Cincinnati. Look, because because of that, you see, and some other things that have happened recently in college football, UCF losing to Tulsa. That was nice shocking. To, that was nice to see. Yeah, it was. It's kind of a double-edged sword. It's kind of nice to see, but at the same time, they're not going to be as ranked as high as you want them to be. I personally would have wanted it to be undefeated versus undefeated going into that game. Sure. Uh, that late in the season, I mean, that could have been two top ten teams going at it. Uh, potentially, it could have been. Yeah, top ten matchup would have been huge. Yeah. Now UCF can still find a way. They're not ranked this week. I, I don't believe they're not ranked. They dropped out of the ranking. Yeah. So there were five ranked teams. There were five teams that dropped out of the AP poll. UCF was one of them. So. With all the with all the shenanigans that have happened around college football, the Bearcats are now ranked number eleven, and that's moving up four spots despite the horrible performance. I thought that so subpar. Just there was just no flow to that game. It's like you see, should you the Bearcats could have been up twenty one nothing by the end of the first quarter. Instead, as was written today in a piece in the Athletic by Justin Williams, it kind of encapsulated the performance on Saturday, and that's the fact that this Bearcats team was exposed. Mm-hmm. If you pressure Desmond Ritter and you force him to throw and he can't run and he doesn't have time to throw, that's a bad, bad omen for Cincinnati. Oh, for oh definitely. Defense. Yeah, I mean, it. that's the thing is I feel like the offense is has really been the thing that's been lackluster the last few years. Um, I mean, you look at the defense, the defense has been nothing but phenomenal. I mean, you know, 2018 season, they were top 10 in the country. They were a top 10 defense, um, which really says something. Give credit to Marcus Freeman. Last year, I think they were top 40, maybe top 50. Um, and that's after losing the starters that you lost from the year before. Some of them, um, which was mo- which was like the entire D-line except for Michael Pitts. Um, 
But the defense has been playing well the last few years. There's no doubt about that. But I feel like it's always been the offense that has been the struggle of this team. They can't go out on the field. They can't score points. I feel like that's something they've always struggled with these last three years. And, every, and and Saturday it even showed. I mean, they couldn't they couldn't capitalize. Every single time the Bearcats score, it's like it's so hard earned. It's like nothing comes easy mm-hmm. to this offense. It's like a sigh of relief. Yeah, it's it like really finally. is. In twenty eighteen it wasn't it wasn't that way. Now towards the end of last year it was kind of it kinda of got better as the season wore on. It was hard for them at first, but I mean, you really feel like I'm looking at Desmond Ritter's numbers right now. One other thing that he struggled to do this year is run. I mean, you look at 57 yards on four carries against Austin P. That's great. But then minus 14 on seven carries against Army? Woof. 20, great defense, though. Yeah, 28 yards on four attempts in this game. That's an average. Seven yards carry. 71 yards. Yeah, in that game. 71 yards on 15 carries. That's an average of um, 71 in three games. So he's averaging rushing yards per game. 70 that's an average of just under 24 yards a game and considering where Desmond Ritter has been before in terms of his rushing numbers we look at the we look at some of the those numbers from last year attempts and yards because the one saving grace for Ritter has been his ability to run the football mm-hmm. well he hasn't been able to do that this season yeah I think they kind of figured that out actually because I remember when we were playing USF last year um, I remember looking to the camera guy next to me atop the giant board the video board that they had built um for that stadium i mean it's really tall it's really up there um i looked at the video guy next to me and knew it was the fourth quarter i believe and i looked at him and i said look i want to let you in on a little secret the way that we win games when we get desperate is we let desmond ritter run the run the football we let our qb just run qb sneaks qb draws and guess what happened desmond ritter like immediately ran a quarterback draw, like almost immediately. I, I told the dude what was going to happen. It's exactly what happened. And that's just the thing. Is if you can take that away from Desmond Ritter, you got to force him to throw. It's, it's like almost reminiscent of like Lamar Jackson and how the Titans uh, were able to, to beat the Ravens last year in the playoffs. They just forced him to throw. Now, that game, we go on, the receivers dropped a lot of passes, which is also to blame. But they forced him to throw, which was something that he wasn't 100% you know, I, he's a great runner and whatever, but it's kind of the same situation here with Desmond Ritter. Is you just you yeah. bum rush him, and and he's kind of screwed unless he's got a guy wide open and he gets a lucky throw in. It's he's going down. Yeah, like, but when he does have guys wide open, he still overthrows them. He still misses them. Yeah, one for six on throws that went 15 yards or more down the field on Saturday. Dak one Prescott. for six, and the only one that he threw wasn't even that great of a throw. Look mm-hmm. at it. You know what I'm talking about. The one that Jay Sean Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, now, he, that was the one that... Was that the interception or was that the Charles McClellan? I get those two. Um, McClellan was the intended receiver in the first interception. Okay. The second interception, I'm not going to really fold him for that. That's that's a great athletic play by the defensive back. It that was really... A, was that in the end zone? Yeah, back yeah. pylon. So that's fine. The third interception now, that's on Ritter. So really, two interceptions are on, two interceptions are on Desmond Ritter, but... Um, the, the the one throw that he did make on the deep ball they actually completed to Jayshon Jackson like I even noted in the broadcast slightly overthrown Jayshon Jackson to kind of like reach out extend his arms a little bit his hands mm-hmm. to make the catch so we look at and by the way more on Lamar Jackson later on in the show because uh, the Bengals are going to Baltimore this week for a 
really a crucial game. Oh, we're going to talk about the Bengals? Well, they did win a game on Sunday, and they did look good in it. That's true. That's they're, true. They're, they're, they're better than they were last year. Can we agree on that? Yeah. Okay, I'll give you that. Okay, uh, for now. Okay, so back to... Uh, back to so the, Desmond Ritter running the football. So many attempt numbers from last year. I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games last year in 13 total where he had double-digit rush attempts. Some of the rushing yard totals, uh, 48, 41, 50 in the three-game stretch between Marshall, UCF, and Houston. Then we get into the last five. Then we get into the last five regular season games, the championship game, and the bowl game. 121, 94, 12 for 12 and 18 against UCF. That's not a USF. Excuse me. That's not going to get done. Uh, 113 in Memphis and 105 against Boston College. Mm-hmm. But as you said, teams have figured out a way. What they're doing is they're bringing pressure off the edges. That takes away the edge. And the only other way for Ritter to run the ball is to run up the middle or between the tackles. Well, what's going to happen when the offensive line gets beat by the defensive line when they're bringing pressure too? He's going down. Yeah. So essentially what needs to happen is now the Bearcats are still 3-0. I mean, this is fine that we're having this conversation because we're 3-0, and and there's a lot in front of us, Sean. I mean, you, you mm-hmm. think you think about all that's in front of this team. There's a lot of crucial games, a lot of championship implications at stake, and this is a bad problem to have because Desmond Ritter had solved that problem two years ago. Now, he is the problem. Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I've been saying, I've been saying that... Um... A little bit. Not that Desmond Ritter... I, I think the world of Desmond Ritter's leadership, I don't think the world of him as a quarterback. I think... I, I, I've been telling you for a long time, I think Ben Bryant's a better quarterback. I really, I still think that. Um, I didn't know who he was my freshman year, but once, you know, last year came around and I saw a little bit more of what Desmond Ritter does, I was convinced. I, I really honestly thought Ben Bryant for most of the season was... A better quarterback and I was like I if if this was like uh, if I was playing Madden or I was playing NCAA see a Ritter go on in Ben Bryant do your thing and I just I don't know he's not as fast as Desmond Ritter I mean Desmond Ritter's got some super long legs he can run he can but for the love of God man you got to be able to pass too you know what I mean you got to be able to do that you have to be able to run you have to be able to pass and make smart decisions and I just don't feel like Desmond Ritter does that a yeah. whole lot. Yeah, the deep ball connection has never really been there. Now, obviously, you are playing with some new receivers, but my gosh, we're now three games into the season. Now, the goodness is you have a bye week, so you can work on it because you're going to need it in your next two games. Tulsa has proven that they're not a fluke. SMU, we know who they are. They just beat Memphis. That's a that's a marquee win in the American Athletic Conference. Yep. And they, they moved into the top 25. Yes, they did. So they can put up points. Okay. Sometimes, you know, when we talk about football, you know, yeah, if you're, if you're going to beat a team that has a great offense like SMU, yeah, you got to be able to stop them. But at the same time, you, have, you also have to put up points. Your defense can only do so much. And that's where Luke Fickle's talking about complimentary football comes into play. If you're not complimenting the defense for what they're doing, then what's the point? You have to be able to find a way to score points. And right now, this team simply cannot do that. The defense has been fine. I mean, mm-hmm. the, I mean, they forced five turnovers against a bad football team. 
That's fine. USF is not very good, by the way. I'm just throwing it out there right now. No, they haven't been for a while. Since like 2017 was their last good season. That was their peak year. Really and was. they were good in 2018 until they weren't. They were 7-0. They finished 7-6. and six. Last year, they were meh. Meh, mediocre. They were pretty subpar. Subpar, to say the least. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, obviously, we, I mean, we, we can talk about this all we want. It's just, it's just like Desmond Britter, if the Bearcats are going to go where they want to go, they better figure out the quarterback situation. And that means, A, Ritter gets Ritter is able to um, resurrect his play, particularly on the deep ball, or B, Ben Bryan or Evan Prater comes in. Yep. Now, the problem is, if you use Evan Prater, he loses his red shirt. Are you, really? If he plays more than four games, I should say. Well, okay, then we're on game four. Yeah, okay, that's a good yeah, play. So, okay. well, did he, well, he didn't play this game. He played. He only played Austin Peay. He's played in one game. So he's got three you know, games left. But when we talk about Ben Bryan, Sean, you bring, you bring him up. Remember last year against Memphis, he had a rushing touchdown. He did. It was a zone read keeper, mm-hmm. 12-yard run. So, which, by the way, you still see a lot of RPOs in college football. Oh, yeah. I mean, just because we're going to a spread offense does not mean that the oh. R- RPOs and, and the RPO read option is, are still... RPO is very popular. Yeah, it's still around in college football. Jeff Scott, who used to be at Clemson, and I'm, I'm thinking about the guys that he had at Clemson. My God, Deshaun Watson, uh, some guy named Trevor Lawrence. I'm sure you've heard of him. I mean... Clemson was an RPO offense mm-hmm. with some of the backs that they had. I'm talking about guys like Wayne, C.J. Spiller, Wayne Gallman, uh, Travis Etienne, and then you think about the receive the receivers that they had. So Jeff Scott comes in; they're going to run a lot of they're going to run a lot of RPOs. Now UC's defense did a very nice job against it on on Saturday, but Ben Bryan, we we talk about you know last year against Memphis, he throws for over 200 yards, one touchdown, two picks. You can learn from that, though. Sure. And if Ritter it continues to regress, why not let a guy progress? I, I would agree with that because, I mean, you know, if you want to give Ben Bryant, you know, crap for the Memphis game, I'm going to give you crap because, frankly, you have to think about it like this. That was his first start in college. And that I, was his, and, it, and, and think about this. It was a road game. It was in Memphis against a hostile crowd, a very hostile crowd, mind you. Um, was it still hostile? Because it felt like like half the stadium was empty watching that game on TV. You know, it was more filled that night than it was at the at the conference championship. That's game. shocking to me. It really it shocked me. I thought I thought it was going to be more full than it was uh, the week before. But either way, you got to look at. I mean, look, Ben Bryant. It, it was his first start, and he played well. He played really well. He he still he kept UC in the game, despite the loss. There were mistakes that were made as well. That that game was that was I'm sorry was it the conference championship when Jason Jason dropped the ball? Oh my gosh! Was that the yes? Conference? The, the championship game was when Jason dropped okay, the ball. That okay. was Ritter who threw it. It's so hard to keep them straight because I was there for both of them. Ryan had that fifty some yard pass to Alec Pierce, yeah, which was the play before his touchdown run. Yeah, and I don't know. I just I really have always thought. Not, I shouldn't say always, but I, I, I think that once I started to see Desmond Ritter's true colors last year, um, I, 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 I kind of thought, why not throw in Ben Bryant? And then we did against Memphis, and I was, 
I was pretty convinced on him. I was someone who says that we should have thrown him in against Temple because it was clear in that game Ritter was not right. That that game was just ugly. He was in not general. healthy. Nine of twenty-five for sixty-two yards and nine rushes for minus three yards. How the heck do we win that game? I mean, well, like it came down to special teams at one point. Yeah, it, it really did. Um, that's the thing is our offense been has been the biggest question mark over these last three years. I, I've said that. I'm going to continue to say that. And I'm not saying that it's always been Desmond Ritter. It hasn't. Like, his freshman year, or his redshirt freshman year, it was definitely not him. Um, It really wasn't anybody. Um, Yeah, what were the question marks in 2018? In 2018, really, there weren't any. Because at that time, you still had Khalil Lewis and Rashad Medeiros. Jay Sean Jackson still. um, You had Josiah DeGuara. Josiah DeGuara still. The receiving core and the tight end room was fine. Yeah, Running yeah. backs were more than fine. Offensive line was really good. Offensive, like the offense was great, for, but just for some reason we just couldn't score. I, you go, you look at UCF. I mean, that yeah. was different. That was that was prime time national stage. Luke Fickle couldn't get him ready, I'm know, not, and that's hard to do. I'm not. No, I think he had. I think he had them ready. It's just that UCF was really stinking good, um, yeah. and then Temple was just so physical with us. And you were coming off the bye, so mm. if you could have one game back. That game from that year, I, I would have backed, but last. I think year, the twenty eighteen was complete. So what? We're still we're still winning. We're still winning games like we were two years ago. And yet there are more question marks about this team. Here's the thing. Like I said, it's great that they're three and zero. Winning cures a lot of things. Because yep. if this team were one and two, oh, we'd be chastising. Oh yeah. Desmond Barrett today. Now, what you said about his leadership, I love it. But at the same time, look, you're gonna you're, you need to throw your best players out there. Yeah, I and agree. Luke, Luke Fickle has always backed Desmond Ritter. But at the same time, come on. If let's you, let's you want to win, you gotta have like you let's said, you gotta say, have okay, your best so, players. So so in a week and a half when at, at Tulsa, which by the way I'm telling you right now, it's not going to be an easy game. Trap game. I, I think Huge they'll win. Trap I think game. they'll win. Got to be careful. I even that I'm a little nervous about. I mean, look, Tulsa went into UCF and won. And what, what? Who says that we couldn't go to Tulsa the only and get our thing asses is, The only thing is they have a bye, which for a team like that, a bye week can hurt. Because you can't, because you can't move on immediately to the next game. You have to sit, and you're you're just sitting around. You're waiting to get to the next game. The Bearcats are used to this, okay, more so than Tulsa. That's why I think the Bearcats will win. But my God, it's going to be a hard game. And then I think Luke Fickle does a good job of prepping them as well, getting them ready. But because last last week the Bearcats had two games off a of bye week, and they won them both. Mm-hmm. And Marshall was a game that we talked about could be a really Trap game. Turned out not to be. No, we crushed Marshall. Yeah. And then ECU, look, you're gonna have you're gonna have one of those games where you should win by a lot, and yet ECU just happens to have a really good night. Yeah. But again, the Bearcats prevailed in the end. Largely thanks to Desmond Bear's ability to run the football on a night where again he's I'm just looking at these numbers, Sean. So he was some of the completion percentage numbers through uh the season. This Six, year? Last year. I mean, he had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 games below 50%. Yikes. Or, I'm sorry, 60%. If it was 10 games below 50%, yikes are rony. So, somehow he still threw for 2,164 yards. I also take back what I said about Ben Bryant. Uh, the Marshall game was the game when I knew he was legit, not Memphis. That throw to Trey Tucker? Yeah, oh yeah. I, I kind of knew at that moment. I was like, I like this guy. And again, you, you, you don't know what you have if you don't give him any opportunities. If, if, if at Tulsa on Saturday, the point I was trying to make earlier, 
if Ritter goes out and struggles in the first two, three possessions, are you wanting them to put Ben Bryant in? Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, we figured this out, that we now know how to do a remote broadcast, so uh, guess what we're doing next Saturday at noon? That's what we're doing. Bearcats Media will have the call of the Bearcats game at Tulsa from here in Cincinnati, but we got a remote broadcast figured out. Uh, yeah, I, another point I wanted to make really quickly, um, you know, pe- sometimes people doubt, uh, excuse me, doubt backups. Uh, who, you know who I'm going to point to is uh, Kyle Trask. Uh, right off the bat, I mean, Felipe Franks was one of the best quarterback. was supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and he went to Florida, and then he played terrible last year, and then they he got hurt, so they put in Kyle Trask, and Kyle Trask is now one of the best quarterbacks in the country in college football. May, may get drafted pretty decently high, probably won't be a first-round pick, but I think Kyle Trask is a perfect example of, you know, kind of the same situation that Ben Bryant is in now that Kyle Trask used to be in. So I really don't think it would hurt to throw in Ben Bryant because we know what he can do and he's only had one start but I still think Ben Bryan is a phenomenal quarterback. But are you going to just say Ben Bryan is your starting quarterback going into the Tulsa game? No, oh no, no, you definitely can't do that. I think you've got to... Well, you can. You, got, you can, but you shouldn't because you don't want to slap Des Ritter in the face. But at the maybe, same time... Maybe, maybe you need to, though. Yeah, it's possible, but at the same time, you really probably shouldn't do that. Um, I don't know. If you, if, I, I'm, afraid, I'm, I'm just afraid that the offense, if you take Des Ritter out just like that... I feel like there could be some potential consequences that we didn't see. I think you have to let Desmond Ritter go in, let him play a little bit, see how he plays, and if he's not playing well, yank him out. But as the Tulsa game, it, it, let's say he goes out there and puts up a solid performance, like 18 of 24 for 230 yards and two touchdowns, no picks. Maybe he also has like six carries for 50 yards. Is the Tulsa is Tulsa a good barometer of how he of his ability to perform at a high level? Oh well, it's a road game against a team that beat UCF. Um, I can I can certainly understand why that would be a big question mark because it is Tulsa after all. But it's enough to throw him out there against. Um, I I SMU. think I think that's yeah. I, th- I I think if he had a solid performance like that, then no, you wouldn't have a reason to take him out. But I I think it's a situational thing. I think if he starts to play like garbage against against SMU the week after, then. Yeah, I, I mean, I would throw in Ben Bryant, but if he has a solid performance against Tulsa, then he should get the start. The point is this. There's a lot at stake for the Bearcats coming up. I mean, their last seven games are a gauntlet. Who are the who are the, who are are the the games where, like, you can breathe a little bit as fans? If any. You maybe, can't breathe. Maybe East Carolina. And even that game, I might sweat a little bit. Because yeah. after what I saw from last year, from ECU... Last year. Thank you for Mod Gardner for bailing us out. Fa- I, really? And Sam Croza. And, and Sam Croza. And Desmond Murder's legs. That too. I mean, that was a that was a nail biter of a game. Yeah, I mean uh, it never should have been as close as it was. Yeah, you know, they were I mean they were putting up Holden Aylers was putting up yards uh, against Kobe Bryant. Five hundred. Uh yeah. Five hundred yards. Quite a game for him, but Looking back here on the South Florida game, really quickly, um, you mentioned Jared Dokes at 22 carries for 102 yards, averaging 4.6 yards a carry. Pretty impressive. Uh, Charles McClellan, 8 for 33, averaging 4.1. 
Uh, Jerome Ford, 9 for 25, 2.8 yards per carry. Uh, Ryan Montgomery, 2 for 1. That's okay. Uh, he didn't really get. He didn't get those carries until the end of the game, so he really can't. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, How about the receivers? Receivers. Let's see here. Jayshon Jackson had three receptions for forty-seven. Trey Tucker had two for nineteen, and that run back touchdown um, that we mentioned earlier. Josh Wiley had one reception for thirteen yards and a touchdown. Jordan Jones, the transfer from Arkansas. Arkansas. Had one reception, also for 13 yards, no touchdowns. Michael Young, 2 for 12. Lenny T, 1 for 11. Jerome Ford had 1 for 10. Even Bruno LaBelle getting in on the actions here. Uh, 3 for 9 and a touchdown. Jared Dokes had a reception and Jaden Thompson. Oh, wait a minute. No, Jaden Thompson is the transfer, right? No, Jaden Thompson's the freshman from Chicago. Oh, was that? Okay. Uh, Jordan Jones is the transfer from Arkansas. Okay, I think maybe we might have gotten them confused on the broadcast a couple times, or maybe we I might have. have. I think we, we did. I definitely think we did. Are, are you sure that he didn't transfer from... I can guarantee that he did not. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. Okay. All right. Whoops. Uh, yeah, then we definitely at some point got him confused, I think. How about the defensive number, Sean? Uh, defensive numbers here. Look at... Man, look at this. This is one long list for both teams, really. A little concerned uh, early when Jarrell White was injured. Yeah, Jarrell White had 11 total tackles, 6 solos. Uh, Darian Beavers had a pretty good game, 6 tackles, 4 solos. Joe DeBlanco getting in on the action. Even Brody Engel from LaSalle. Curtis Brooks, Kobe Bryant, both four for three. Uh, Javon Hicks even had a little bit of fun out there. Uh, three tackles total, two solo. So, I mean, you look at the rest of these guys. I'm not going to go through everybody, but everyone had a pretty good game. The defense held well. I mean, they held well. They only gave up seven points. And how about Kobe Bryant having two interceptions? I mean, USF targeted Bearcats' weakest corner, and he, and he shined. And now... I mean, heck, now they're calling the Bearcats secondary the no-fly zone in DBU, so uh, there are some high expectations in that should, secondary. should relax there with the DBU. Arquam, yeah, I think... The, yeah, that's a little much. Yeah, that's a little... Now, it's a very, very good secondary. Bush, Bryant, Gardner, Wiggins. Javon Hicks. Javon Hicks. I mean, you said to me, Javon Hicks is not a starter. Javon Hicks is a backup. Right. Wait, is he? Yeah, no, he is. Or you can just bring him in. And by the way, Javon Hicks saved the Bearcats in several games last year. He's a ball magnet. Um, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, he had a great game against breakout game against UCLA last year. By the way, there's another there's another example of where the offense was a little lackluster. That that game should have been a bigger blowout than it was. I think UCF also should have been a bigger blowout than it was. It should have been a bigger blowout, but I'll say only it wasn't only because of an interception at the end of the first half, and there was also a missed field goal in that game. Chip Kelly also said that that interception prevented a runaway. Yeah, if you're saying. He was really not happy with UCLA's performance that night. <laughs> if you're okay, if you're saying that Ritter was the the problem in the UCLA game, it, he was not. Oh no, 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 absolutely not. He no. played the second half without a voice. Yeah, no, and I know. Still, I just think the offense in general there there should have been more points scored. That should have been a bigger point. He did hit Alec Pierce on that deep ball. No, I'm not. I'm not going to deny that there should that, that there should have been more points put up in that because game. Lenny T. I mean, there was that interception. That should have been six. Yeah, that should have been a touchdown. Um, but uh, there was also, they missed a fourth down conversion in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. So the game was much closer than it really was. Wow. That was, that was a fun night. Look at this, though. Cincinnati punting. James Smith, four kicks, 187 yards, averaging 46.8. 
and his longest was a 60-yard kick. Now, what they won't tell you is that there were two punts inside the 10-yard line, so much so that Justin Williams called him after the game, James Smith, international treasure. Indeed. I mean, he's a weapon. He is a real weapon. And a punter is one of those where I I say kickers are not an added necessity. They're... Um, or kickers are not an added bonus. They're a crucial necessity. Right, I agree. Punters are an added bonus. I agree with that. I mean, I think... I mean, I mean you got to think about this. Bill Belichick if might you, not tell you that. But. you, you got to look at Cincinnati's defense. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're James Smith and you're allowing the defense to work with short yardage, uh, or you're, put, you're pinning the offense really deep in their own territory, that's good for the defense. And then that turns out good for the offense if you can get the ball back. That helps a lot. It, it just It's a full cycle. But you pit up any offense against the Cincinnati defense in our conference, I'm, I'm pretty confident. I really am. Even Memphis and SMU and USF and UCF? Uh, well, USF. I mean, yeah. I mean, we well, I didn't mean to say it. USF. Obviously. USF's the worst team in the conference. I, I, yeah, I mean. They slid into UConn's former role. That's fair. Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty confident with this UC defense. I think the question is the UC offense. I mean, occasionally you're going to have those games where you have an offense that puts up points on you, and that could be UCF. That even could be Tulsa next week. Who knows? But it's just a matter of making that one play. Look, ECU put up points on the Bearcats last year. Marcus yeah. Freeman's defense. Ahmad Gardner made the biggest play of the night. Ended up being one of the highest-rated cornerbacks in the country. Yeah. And, and it, rightfully so. And even against Memphis. Think about this, too. When we talk about Ben Bryant... They were down set. We were down seventeen to three. That mm-hmm. game could have been over. Really could have. And then Bryant brought them back with two touchdown drives against that Memphis defense. Yeah. No, I think that was a great example right there of how Ben Bryant, I would say, is a better quarterback. I mean, you may not see his leadership because guess what? He's not the starter. It's hard to see his leadership. There are things you the there are things you don't see because Luke Fickle has an unwavering support for Desmond Ritter, which is fine. Which, yeah, I get it. But, I understand it. But. There's also a downfall to that. I agree. I think if you remain too loyal sometimes, you get too caught up. You know, it's like... Well, see, Hayden Moore's a hard case to argue because, I mean... Hayden Moore was not a good quarterback. No, definitely not. But I was trying to compare him to Desmond Ritter's situation, which is really hard to do because... I mean, you didn't have Desmond Ritter the year before. Well, you kind of did. I mean, he was on the team, but he was redshirting. Uh but also, there was no one behind Hayden Moore for years that was really that, that would really be able to fill his spot. I don't think there was anybody behind him that would be able to back him up that well. I don't remember who if, who they would have been, but I mean, I don't either. That's comes, no, there's a good there's a good in, point. He comes in for Gunnar Keel. I'm not, Hayden Moore was okay at best, which isn't saying much, by the way. Uh, he did. Hey, well, he did. Give him credit. He did lead us to a victory in the military bowl. Was it him or was that Michael Warren? Because well, Hayden Moore. Hang on, though. Hayden Moore had a rushing touchdown. He also had a deep pass to, I believe, Rashad Madaris that almost was a touchdown. Actually, ended up getting overturned. I don't remember this. You don't remember that? Him well, having a rushing I don't, I don't touchdown. Remember that. All I remember was Michael Warren having probably the best game of his UC career. He had a great game. I agree. Um, he he got popped. I mean, popped. Yep. In the third quarter, and he comes back in, and he has the kind of game that he had. Yeah, I agree. So we look at look at that game. What a great game! Back and forth battle. Um, Hayden Moore stats from that game: uh, eleven of twenty-five for one twenty, an interception, rushing 
Uh, nine for 64 and a touchdown. Michael Warren had 20 for 166 and two touchdowns. Well, I mean, you could argue it was his decision making to give the ball to Michael Warren. He could have pulled it. Yeah, but Sean, he was four, he was 44 percent passing. Still, I mean, that was a rainy game, though. You're forgetting. So not we weren't passing. A so, whole lot but, that game. but Virginia Tech's quarterback, it didn't matter with him. He was 20 of 31 for 219 and two touchdowns. And the one reception was in crunch time. Yeah. You can't make excuses with the rain. I'm sorry. You can't. You, you simply can't do that. I think you could. Uh, I'm not then saying. Why like, I'm not, why, just, why I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to defend Hayden Moore that he's a great quarterback or anything. He wasn't. But you got to give him credit where credit's due. Is all I'm trying to say. So. Anywho. Uh, we, coming into that, I will give him some credit, but I give Michael Warren most of the credit for that game. And I credit and I credit um, I credit James Wiggins. I credit Josiah DeGuara for recovering a fumble in the end zone for a touchdown. I remember Khalil Lewis was the one who saw it too. He was the, he was the one who started running after the ball um, when he saw it. It had gotten loose. That was a weird touchdown. I credit who was it that made the defensive stop on fourth down? So after Moore's interception, let me, let me make sure this is correct. Uh, so. The drive ended with an interception, right? Mm-hmm. Virginia Tech at our 16-yard line fumbles on fourth down. I think it was Brian Wright. It, uh, I believe Brian Wright and Perry Young put pressure on him, but I think Brian Perry Wright Young forced the fumble. Perry Young wouldn't have played that game. What do you mean? Perry Young was out that game. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Jarrell White. It was Jarrell White. Okay. Jarrell White and... I, um, I just remember that play, Sean, because like Vatek could have gone up by... Uh, what was the score at that time? I have no idea. It was, I think it was 24-21. I do remember that play, though. That was huge. That was big time. It was something. It was, um, what was this? I, I don't remember what the score was that time. Um, it was, I'm still looking. It was, uh, so we ended up punting. They punted. We got, we got a touchdown. I think it was, it might have been 31-28. It was close, whatever it was. They could have broken the game open. I yeah. mean, they really could have. They, they could have, but luckily UC's defense was too staunch. So um, we'll move on to matchups in college football coming into this week. Uh, in our conference, Tulane has taken on Houston. In Houston, um, Tulane at 2-1 and one going into Houston, who has not played a game yet, apparently. I didn't realize that. What, what game? What, what is that game? Is that tomorrow night? Uh, it is actually tomorrow night. Ooh. Actually, it is Thursday, October eighth. I didn't Thursday, even realize that. Thursday night American football action on ESPN. Good to see Sir, that. Back. No more action. Oh well, there is action. It will be maybe. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see. Anyway, Friday, uh, Louisville's taking on Georgia Tech. Both at one and two. Must win game for both teams. Uh, and this is in Atlanta, so this is at Georgia Tech. I'll take Louisville in that game. I'll also take Louisville in that game. Number four, Florida takes on Texas A and M at Kyle Field, aka College Station. It's going to be 91 degrees. Florida oh 2-0, moving into the top four, Texas A&M. I'll take coming Florida. Off, I'll also take Florida. Florida's Texas playing, A&M coming Florida's off a really loss. Well. Uh, Texas A&M coming off loss against Alabama. Number 19, Virginia Tech taking on North Carolina in Keenan Stadium in Chapel Hill. Great matchup. I Ooh, that might be a really good game. North Carolina struggled against Boston College this past weekend. I could see Virginia Tech pulling one out. I agree with you there, but I'm going to go with North Carolina playing at home. The line is UNC minus five. 
excuse me, over under 59. I'll take the under there. Uh, give me Virginia Tech. Honestly, uh, give me Virginia Tech. You I'll, I'll you take them. Your upset picks. I'm picking my upset here. Uh, Missouri at 0-2, taking on number 17, LSU. This is in uh, it's Missouri. in Missouri because of Hurricane Delta that's coming into uh, forgot about that southeast, southeastern Louisiana. LSU's off to a bad start this year. Off to a really bad start. Texas taking on newly unranked Oklahoma. When was the last time we saw Oklahoma outside the top 25? I don't even know. Uh, I want to say possibly 2016. It's been a long time for sure. Texas at 2-1 and a one, coming the, off a loss against certainly TCU. Certainly for the first time in the Lincoln Rally era. Oh, for sure. Texas at two and one, taking on Oklahoma at one and two. Oklahoma fresh off two straight losses, first time in 22 years. Uh, as noted by Lee Corso on College Game Day, he called that this will certainly be a different Cotton Bowl with I'll Atlanta fans. Give me Texas in that game. Uh, you know what? No, I'm not convinced on Texas, but I'm not convinced on Oklahoma either. I don't know. I really don't know who's going to win that game. I would like to say Texas, but. Uh, seeing as how they choked against TCU at home, I'm not really sure that they're going to be able to win. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. We'll just kind of skip the games that no one cares about. Uh, Army, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about their game. Take it on 0-3 Citadel. Give me Army Is by that West 35. Point? Oh, God, they're going to destroy the Citadel. Here's an SEC matchup. Number three, Georgia at 2-0. Take it on number 14, Tennessee at 2-0 in Athens. Uh, that Georgia defense is for real. I mean, I, what, what they did to Auburn on Saturday. I could see Tennessee having a... A potentially a good game. Um, however, I still think Georgia's going to win. I, I don't think. I don't think. I don't think Tennessee is going to be able to pull. Georgia up, so. minus twelve and a half favorites over under forty three. I'll take the over only because I think Georgia's going to dominate the game. They'll beat Tennessee. I agree. Number fifteen BYU taking on UTSA. Give me BYU. Uh, let's see. Iowa State now back in the top twenty five after losing to who did they lose to? Uh, you was, uh, Louisiana. It was Louisiana. Uh, they are now two and one after beating Oklahoma, taking on Texas Tech in Ames, Iowa. In Ames, Iowa. I'll take Iowa State. I will also take Iowa State. Arkansas coming off a win against Mississippi State, who beat the defending national champion yeah, LSU shout Tigers. Out, shout out to um, Zach Freeze, who told me at post game that Mike Leach is a great head coach. Mm. I still consider him the class clown in college football. I love um, him though. Until he wins a conference championship, I'm not saying any great things about Mike Leach. I think he's great. Other than the fact that he is the mastermind behind the air raid offense. I think Mike Leach is also a good head coach. I love him. He's good, not great. I think he's, I think he's hilarious. Uh, Arkansas taking on number three. Yeah, he has a hilarious Auburn. personality. I'll take Auburn in that game. Jordan-Hare Stadium. Uh, that is on the SEC Network. I've been forgetting to mention the times and channels as well. 4 p.m. SEC Network. Pitt taking on Boston College on the ACC Network at 4. Give me Pitt there. Uh, Kansas State on Fox at 4 p.m. against TCU. Ooh, this will be tough. Give me TCU in that game. I'll take TCU there. Alabama taking on Ole Miss on ESPN at 6 o'clock. More in the Americans uh, on CBS Sports Network at 6 o'clock. Temple taking on Navy. Give me Navy. It's Temple's season opener. Yeah, it is. East Carolina taking on South Florida. Wow, that's going to be a really boring game. ESPN Please. Plus at 7 p.m. I'll take ECU in that game. I, you know, I will too, actually. I, I'll, I'll agree with that. And college game, day game, uh, college game Day game of the week this week, for the third time, going to be with Miami, taking on number one Clemson. 
7.30 on ABC on the, at Memorial Stadium in Clemson. Man, that could be a really good game, but give me Clemson. Give me Clemson by about 17 points. The, Clem, the line is Clemson at minus 14, over-under at 63. I say Clemson wins that game 41-24. to Absolutely. Florida State taking on Notre Dame, number five Notre Dame at Please. 7.30 on what NBC. A joke. What a joke Florida State is. Oh, I mean, Notre Dame's going to crush them. Yeah. No doubt about that. Mississippi State, Kentucky, yeah, whatever. These games are starting to get really, yeah. And that's the end of the list. So really quickly, we'll move over to high school sports really, really quickly. Williamsburg taking on Gamble Montessori. Oh, wow. They have a football team? No way. I don't, I don't <laughs> know who to say for that. Western Hills taking on Riverview East. I don't even know who some of these are. G- give me Riverview East because Western Hills is very so bad. we got on Friday night. We got um, Walnut Hills and St. X. Give me St. X. They're GCL champions. Walnut's not going to be able to beat Central them. Catholic against Ludlow. Goshen against Hughes. Is it Goshen or Goshen? Probably Goshen. I think it's Goshen. All right. Then you got your Elder Panthers taking on the Fairfield Indians. Withrow and Fairborn. That could be a good game. Aiken and Dunbar. Interesting. Okay. These are all 7 o'clock starts, Oak by Hills the way. Hills and Princeton. Moeller taking on Hamilton. Milford and Colerain. Well, what about Fenwick and Mount Healthy? I'm not going to mention those. Why not? No, that game doesn't intrigue me. Oh, it's not a matter of if it intrigues you. In fact, that's happening in Cincinnati. You just did that with college football. You're like, yeah, we'll just go we'll just bypass the games that no one cares about. Which yeah, because probably, no one really does care about Which probably that. means that you didn't care about them either. Right, but this is, I mean, this show's about Cincinnati. These are Cincinnati yeah, that is high true, school teams. I, I guess. Muller and Hamilton, Milford and Colerain. Give me Colerain there. Campbell County taking on Ryle, Sycamore, Lakota East, Loveland, Little Miami. West Claremont, Lakota West. Ooh, both garbage teams. Give me West Claremont. Um, Mason and Lebanon. Alita. Who is Man, I've never heard of them. Rushville taking on South Dearborn. Yeah, but <laughs> Talawanda, Belmont. That might be a good... Talawanda, you can't overlook Talawanda. Of course, Finley and Springboro taking on each other. Centerville, Wayne. Always a good rivalry. Always a good rivalry. Boone County and Highlands. Could be interesting. Could be a good game. Holmes and Boyd County, Holy Cross and Beechwood, and then Manchester and Lachlan. And that's it for boys high school. So that is that. Um, Football. As we move into week five of the NFL season, the Bengals will be at the Ravens, which of course means we get to see the reigning NFL MVP in Lamar Jackson. The Bengals, of course, have struggled mightily against him in three starts against the Bengals. Um, we talk about Desmond Ritter and his ability, and you know what defenses are doing to prevent him from running the football. The same can be said with what the Raven, with what's happened to Lamar Jackson. It's the fact that you know teams are, you know, putting guys out on the edge so he can't get to the outside, and then they're bringing pressure up the middle. So they're essentially forcing him to throw the football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's that's exactly what we had uh, we had mentioned earlier. Um, I want to pose a quick question to you. If you were making your own franchise, right, and you could pick any players, who are you taking at quarterback, Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson, and why? I don't want to be biased here, but it's so easy for me to say Lamar because of what he's done throughout his career up to this point, which has been nothing short of spectacular. But And, and here's the thing, too, Sean. It's like, I've heard it from multiple people that Lamar Jackson's overrated. 
Zach Freeze would always tell me on our on Sports Anyway, one of Lamar Jackson was not going to make it in the league. Look at what he did last year. Pretty sure he made it. The question now is, can he sustain it? Is there any consistency? I hope he'll have a great career. Fun fact, the Ravens rank in the bottom of the NFL in passing yards per game. They're not a great passing team, contrary to what you might see. Yes, they might have accuracy, but they don't they don't accumulate passing yards. How many games has Lamar Jackson thrown for over 300 yards? I guarantee it's not very many. They're a, they're a great run team. They have tremendous balance in their offense. They ran for over 3,000 yards last year. Lamar Jackson threw for 3,600 yards last year and won the MVP. He threw for 36 touchdowns. Most of those probably came in the red zone. I'm just going to say that. He relies on his t- he relies on Mark Andrews way too much to tight end. Marquise Brown has talent. You remember Hollywood Brown from Oklahoma? Absolutely. He has he has tremendous talent. That, that guy has speed that you don't see very much in a wide receiver. I mean, I, I can't name you another wide receiver in the NFL off the top of my head outside of maybe Julio Jones who has the kind of speed that Marquise Brown has. Maybe, okay, Tyreek Hill. I should throw him in there as well. <laughs> well, he's a running back, but. The cheetah. Hill? Isn't he a running back? Tyreek Hill is not a running back. He's not? He can be. He's done it before. Oh, I thought he was a running back. No. He's a wide receiver. Um, so I, when, I think about, when I think about the Ravens, like they scare you because they're so fast. If you shut down their run game, they are very very beatable. Now, I haven't watched film yet. I, I remember they struggled against Kansas City, particularly Lamar Jackson did. He didn't put up the greatest numbers. And he said the Chiefs are their kryptonite. But they didn't look that great from the film that I watched today against against Washington. It's certainly a beatable team. It is a, it is a beatable team, which is why I'm, I'm hesitant. I'm tempted to pick the Bengals as an upset this week, but... I don't know if I can do that because when you think about the Ra- the first thing that's always been the 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 thing you think about with the Ravens is their defense. Their defense is stacked, loaded at all three levels. Matthew Judon and Calais Campbell up front, they are so good. Judon in particular at getting to the quarterback. They will also bring linebackers Patrick Queen, the rookie out of LSU. Then you also have guys like LJ Fort, Marcus Bowser, and then the secondary. Marlon Humphrey, who just signed a five-year, $98 million extension. Marcus Peters, ball hawk, ball magnet, a corner. And then you think about, even without Earl Thomas, they're still a very opportunistic secondary. The Ravens lead the NFL in points off turnovers at plus 34. They also have 17 consecutive games, Sean, with at least one takeaway. Not only are they a very good, fundamentally sound run team, but they're also a very good, opportunistic defense they will try to take the ball away from you. Don Wink Martindale has done a tremendous job with that defense. You think about all the great defensive coordinators that have come through the Ravens, Rex Ryan, Dean Pease, and now um, Don Wink Martindale. So the, so the Ravens are a beatable team. I don't, think they're, I don't think they're invincible. I thought they were last year. They're not invincible. You can beat them. But the thing about it is, sorry for going on a tangent here, more on this on Friday with our Bengals preview show, yours truly, Justin Cashman, Preston Stober. Um, Joe Mixon had a great game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. 25 carries, 151 yards, two touchdowns, six receptions for 30 yards, and a touchdown as well. But he can't, he can't do what he can do if the offensive line is not paving the way. Bobby Hart against Matthew Judon? Pray. Jonah Williams against Calais Campbell? That's okay, but Calais Campbell is six foot eight. 
and is an athletic defensive lineman. Jenna Williams, I don't know how he's going to fare. Um, and they think about up the middle, they're going to bring guys like Patrick Onwusu, uh, Brandon Williams, and then I'm thinking about you know linebackers, cover, you know linebackers covering tight ends. Drew Sample. I'm thinking about you know Marlon Humphrey and uh, Marcus Peters going up against AJ Green and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. I mean, this is going to be a, a it's going to be tough to move the ball against the Ravens, and, th- and this is a rookie quarterback in Joe Burrow. So I I, I I can make a case for taking Joe Burrow over Lamar Jackson because Joe Burrow can throw under immense pressure, but at the same time, I got to go with Lamar right now based on what he's done. And the way the NFL is played, there's so much that Lamar can do. Um, is this a winnable game? Yes. Do I think the Bengals will win? Probably not. Okay. I still would take Joe Burrow, personally. Why? Well, because, I mean, you give him a good O-line. I mean, look at what he's doing with a shitty O-line. You, you read the you stat do, to you me. Do know that, you do know that we technically can't say that word on the air. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Um, that can't be edited out, I don't think. Don't worry about it. Yeah, okay. Anyway, terrible O-line. My apologies. Got a little passionate there. Um, he's got a terrible O-line. And he, he, what was the stat you read to me? Three games, 300 yards passing. First quarterback in NFL history. First rookie quarterback in NFL history with 300 passing yards in three straight games. That, to me, says a lot. Considering the teams that he's been playing against and considering the offensive line that he has, I'm taking Joe Burrow. And you think about Lamar Jackson. What were his best games last year against the Rams where he had five touchdown passes? Um, fun fact, he didn't throw for 200 yards in that game. That was him running the football and Mark Ingram running the football. Um, trying to think of, he did have 300 passing yards against the Titans in the playoff game. That's because they had to throw the ball. So Lamar Jackson is a good quarterback teetering on great, who was the MVP last year, I can say partly because Mahomes missed three games. It's fair. I can, I can say that. But, but Lamar, Jackson's not the, Lamar Jackson is not this God that he's being made out to be by some. He's not, he's not some God. He won not the yet, MVP. anyway. And who knows if he will be. So, other NFL games this week, amidst all the crazy, um, you know, with COVID situations and um, Stephon Gilmore now testing positive for COVID-19 and, you know, what that means for the rest of the league. Uh, Tomorrow night, week five, the Buccaneers and the Bears should be an interesting game. Thursday night football, I'll take the Bucs on the road. Um... Other uh, other games, notable games this week, the Bills and the Titans currently scheduled, but I, I read just now that that game could be canceled or forfeited due to the Titans now having two players again today testing positive for COVID-19. Give me the Bills in that game if it happens. Uh, other games coming up this week, the Giants and the Cowboys. That's a nationally televised game on CBS. The two teams are a combined one and seven. I will take the Cowboys in that game, but not very confident. Confidently. Uh, the Colts and the Browns. Pair of three and one teams. I'll take the. I will take the. Ooh, I will take. I don't even know. Give me the Browns. You know what? I'm gonna go with the Colts in that game. Okay. Uh, Sunday night football: Minnesota and Seattle. Give me Seattle by twenty. And then Monday night football: the Chargers and the Saints. That game could be moved to Indianapolis. Uh. 
due to Hurricane Delta about to hit the hit New Orleans and southeastern Louisiana. So that is that in the NFL. I think that's about it. I think that's all we've got for for you guys this oh, week. Oh, one more thing. Uh, no, they, they the American Athletic Conference came out today with um, their plan for the men's and women's basketball season. Uh, teams will play a double round robin conference schedule, meaning they'll play twenty games. They'll play every team in the conference twice. It'll be interesting to see. I did see a tweet yesterday from Jeff Goodman, who covers college basketball for ESPN, that. Um, Gonzaga could be put into a pod with UC and Texas Tech in a non-conference tournament. Can you imagine we us playing Gonzaga? That'd be huge. We really huge. So that'd be a huge program win. That's a blue blood program right there. It really is, yeah. Well, maybe not blue blood, but like just below. I think blue. they are. I mean, how long have they? Twenty years. That's not. That's not enough for me to. Well, I guess before that, I, I don't know because f- before Shashevsky, Duke wasn't really exactly. Yeah, but that's like what thirty and, years and before, and before North Carolina, and before Dean Smith, North Carolina was. They, I mean, they they were something, but Dean Smith made them great. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw Gonzaga in there. The only the only blue blood, the only two blue bloods who have been that way for their entire histories are probably Kansas and Kentucky. I agree with that. I'd have to very heavily agree with that as well. Because UConn was nothing before Jim Calhoun got there. UConn was in the UConn was Division Two. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I'm, I'm excited for this college basketball season. I, I think UC's basketball team might turn out to be a, quite a surprise this year. I, th- I don't know if they'll be better than last year necessarily. I, I hope they will, and I think they could be. I think they will. Now that they've had a year under John Brandon. It, this is John Brandon's team. I think it's a matter of time. I think you got to let the games play out before we can decide anything. But I don't know. I'm, I, I, they could be really good. They might be really good. We will have to see. But... Everyone, thanks for tuning in this week. I apologize for the for the word on air. I kind of no, pulled a. No, this is not over FCC airwaves. I think you're. Kind of okay. pulled a. Yeah, it's fair. Kind of pulled a Marty okay. Brenneman. but that was Tom Brenneman. What Tom Brenneman said. I'm was, sorry, Tom. What Tom Brenneman said was much worse than what you said. Tom Brenneman, yeah, it was. But point B. I mean, you get my point though. I just was really passionate about the O line, how terrible it is. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to tune in next week when we preview the Bearcats game against Tulsa. See you next week, and go Cats!